The following presentation has been brought to you by HSF Productions. Making their way to the studio, representing the wrestling capital of the world, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, your hosts of the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast, Towley and Hey guys, welcome back to IWP, the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast. We are your hosts, I'm Tally006. Over to my left, as always, is my brother Damien. How's it going this week? It has been hot as a mother here. Isn't that right? Uh, great weather. We need some rain. We had rain for a month there. What are you talking about rain? <laughs> no, it dried up quick. <laughs> it definitely dried up quick. We could totally use some more rain. Uh, it's been a long week for us as we're coming to you basically two days late here because TNT can't keep Dynamite on its proper night, and now we're pushed back to Saturday, so we're recording Sunday. But nonetheless, we got a great show on tap for you this week. We only have a couple of news items to talk about in the Scoop of Vanilla section, and then we'll get right into the special edition of Saturday Night Dynamite. Uh, but before we get into the wrestling, should we talk some football? I think we should. Uh, round of 16 kicked off yesterday uh, yesterday morning, I guess, essentially, as Wales was taking on Denmark. Right? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, Denmark putting up a statement after, you know, all the trials and tribulations they've been going through with uh, Christian Eriksen having the, the cardiac arrest and having to be carted off the field. He's doing great. He's back home with his family. Good to hear from that. But they lose a couple games, but then back-to-back statements as they win 3-1 uh, over Russia, I think, and then uh, the 4 nil devastation of Wales. What, what are your thoughts on Denmark? I mean, they played really well. They deserved to win that one. And I don't know. I expected a little bit more from Wales. I think they played a little bit better in the, the first round than than what they showed that day. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on them. Like, like there usually is with these countries. But it was like in the the first round they were talking like this, this was the team. If any team was going to do it for Wales, this was going to be the team that was going to do it. And uh, they just came up short. They laid an absolute egg in the round of 16. Let's talk about the other game. The more important game uh, yesterday afternoon as our boys in blue, Italy took on, I forget who I'm black. I was so drunk yesterday. Austria. Oh yeah. Austria. The other guys, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Interesting game for how dominant Italy was playing in the group stages. You know, I think they really played down to their opponents in this one. You, they were trying to be aggressive and things were working out. I think there was some frustration that we didn't see in those first three games. You know, there's a lot of hand gestures, a lot of, you know, kind of seemed like they're blaming one another for like missed passes and whatnot. And I don't think we saw it that much in the first round and and that's I think always been a problem with Italy again a lot of pressure for a country like Italy to do very well in these tournaments and 
they 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 just yeah weren't connecting and there was some frustration and defensively which they're usually very solid at um uh, was kind of lacking at times here so i'm a bit worried going forward how about you yeah it's true the i think the italian side are really missing uh chiellini in the back to keep kind of keep things tight back there as he's still dealing with that hamstring injury uh, suffered in the the game against wales you know with with kind of the weaker the weaker links getting dropped out of the tournament this week you know and we got teams like belgium netherlands portugal uh as you know possible opponents over the next couple of rounds it it is going to be scary if they can't get back to that form that they've shown over the past three years uh this game needed extra time austria actually scoring a goal late but was uh taken away by var because of an offside which was uh some sweat uh you know brushed off the brow for for the italian fans um we go into extra time and italy put up two in the first half uh which uh Austria gets one back, which is noteworthy because it's the first goal scored against this team of Italy in 11 games, which is, uh, you know, a feat that I don't think uh, will ever be touched again. That's crazy. Right. I mean, and it was a dirty goal. If you can classify that in soccer as a, a dirty goal, it wasn't spectacular. It was almost um, like you wouldn't have expected even that person to get a touch on the ball and just people in the wrong place and and whatnot. So kind of handcuffed the the keeper. It yeah, was, they need to play better. It was a weird situation because it was kind of a, a shanked corner kick and then the the Austrian player battling with the Italian defender and he almost, it's not, it looks like he jumps at it, but almost like he tripped and just fell into the ball. And then it takes a wonky bounce. And yeah, like you mentioned, totally handcuffed the keeper there. Uh, Italy does get the win. However, two, one over Austria, they're moving on to the next round. They're waiting for the winner of the Belgium Portugal uh, game. That's going to be happening in a, in a few hours here. Um, if you had to pick, who who's the who's the better matchup against uh, Italy? We got Belgium number one in the world right now, and Portugal, who we've talked about in the past, always shows up for the Euros uh, with one of the greatest players of all time and Cristiano Ronaldo leading them. I mean, if I had to choose who to face, I think I would face Portugal, just because although they are great, I think they have their times just like Italy where. It's like they forget how to play the game. So I would be hoping for that kind of club to, to show up versus Italy. Uh, Belgium looks unstoppable at this point, so I would not want to face them. And, um, you know, if I had to pick somebody other than Italy to win this tournament, it would be Belgium. It was... Uh, I got to be honest, it was really surprising to hear that Belgium was the number one team in the world right now. At the moment, but then when you watch them play, it's just like holy shit! Like these guys are really, really tight. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting from here on out as we get into the last few games of the tournament. Uh, let's quickly touch on hockey before we get into the wrestling. The Stanley Cup Finals are set. Uh, unfortunately, the New York Islanders fell a little bit short, so the the Parkland boys won't get that shot at the 
at the Stanley Cup uh, for the second year in a row, losing to Tampa Bay Lightning. But uh, good news for the Canadians. The Canadians as a whole, as citizens from Canada, as well as the Montreal Canadiens, as they uh, they oust the Vegas Golden Knights and uh, are headed back to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time since '93. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a huge deal. Um, Tampa Bay Lightning coach hoping that Canada lightens up some some COVID rules so that they can fill up the Bell MTS or the Bell Center. Sorry, and. Uh, because those fans need deserve to, to see this team play. What do you th- What are your thoughts on John Cooper uh, wanting more fans for his uh, the opposing team? I I mean, I think during the playoffs, like the, their home advantage doesn't even seem to exist, right? And I think both teams feed off the energy of the crowd and. Um, so it's not a, a weird statement, I think, for for him to to make. Um, all I'm hoping for is that uh, John Moxley's wife Renee will start cheering for Tampa Bay, because it seems <laughs> uh, whatever team she cheers for, they seem to go down. So uh, Renee, if you're listening to this, please start cheering for Tampa Bay. We want a Montreal <laughs> win. Uh, I know the feeling of that curse, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, looking forward to the Stanley Cup Finals. I think they they kick off here in a couple of days, so that'll be interesting. But without any further ado, let's get right into the show. Let's uh, check out the scoop of vanilla. So unfortunately, a few more WWE superstars have lost their jobs. As a, there was another, I don't want to say a mass release, but there was a you know eight or nine people who lost their jobs this week. Notables at the top of the list are Fandango, Tyler Breeze, Tony Nese, and Killian Dane, uh, amongst some other NXT stars. Um, another four horsemen, uh, four horsewomen of MMA lost uh, their job in Marina Marina Shafir, uh, amongst others. What are your thoughts on the firings this week? I mean, I, I don't know that it's too, too shocking. It's really been the how numerous the releases have been. I think since WrestleMania, is this not the like third or fourth round of releases? Um, just interesting. Just interesting why it's been so different. Is it a pandemic thing, or are they just you know not wanting to pay these guys sitting at home? Because I mean. Even with uh, all of the shows that WWE have, there's only so much time to have matches and segments, right? Yeah. And I think AEW is creeping into that realm as well, where they have like so many wrestlers. And I find myself every now and then going, hey, uh, where's this guy? We haven't (laughs) seen this person in a long time. So um, I don't know. Have you read anything about you know, why these releases are happening so frequently? No, the only thing I've really been hearing is uh, more of the Nick Khan dumping assets to maximize profits to that are leading into this supposed sale to NBC and stuff like that. So I can only assume that that's part of it. It, it, it makes sense when you think about it because, yeah, we usually have that one big mass release after WrestleMania and then that's it for the year. 
there might be the odd you know the odd uh, low hanging fruit that maybe says the wrong thing or does the wrong thing and then they get axed you know sometime in the fall or whatever but this is literally the fourth wave of people getting released since Wrestlemania and big names too um, you know Fandango's been a part of WWE for 15 years now it's it's wild so I don't know the be- the, the good news out of all of this is that they have plenty of places to go now now uh, something that you know in the past 10 years a lot of guys haven't had that luxury so uh, I'm sure a lot of these guys you know Fandango Tyler Breeze they'll find a spot to land I think these guys are perfectly suited for say an impact wrestling um, yeah do you think AEW should pick up any of these guys? Mm, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, Tony Nice would be a would be a pretty solid pickup. He's a smaller guy that's like absolutely jacked. He would fit in with uh, you know the likes of John Silver and Pac. They, that that could be a faction right there. Just short and stacked would be their name. <laughs> right. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, I don't really see. AEW needing I think the, the the names that they should be worrying about are Aleister Black and you know maybe even a Braun Strowman even though I, I think Braun will be back in WWE by the end of the year but yeah I really like Fandango I, I think he's a, a, a like great wrestler like very solid I, I don't remember ever you know bashing Fandango and I think he's proved that he can take any silly vanilla idea and and make it good. So I think he could come into AEW. They could put him kind of doing anything and he would knock it out of the park. I, I don't know how old the dude is. Um, he, he might not have anything else left to prove in wrestling and, and probably could retire. Uh, I think even Tyler Breeze too. He, he was a good talent that they, I don't think they pushed him enough. Uh, his gimmick was really good and another really, really solid wrestler. I, I just don't know if Breeze can play those different parts, but you, you remember those, uh, those, that cop kind of segments yeah. they used to do? Like that's, that's gold, man. I love those segments. And they never did follow through with it, you know, like they, they never really completed a story. They kept jumping to things and it but yeah that was a great great gimmick tyler breeze is kind of the first one of those first guys who got called up from nxt and then vince just didn't know what to do with and they just got lost in the mix tyler breeze is kind of that first big name to get underutilized yeah. there uh the other the other big news is today as we record june 27th 2021 marks the 10th anniversary of the infamous pipe bomb. I think we would be remiss not to mention it as it is the defining moment that brought me back into watching wrestling at a, at a weekly capacity. We, uh, you know, not to get into too much of it, but you know, I had a school assignment to do this week and, uh, we had to create a, a new podcast, so we kind of did a faux show. I had a ton of fun re-looking at uh, this moment in time and, and kind of researching it, looking into it a bit deeper and uh, having the opportunity to talk about it. What are, what are your memories of the pipe bomb? I just got goosebumps as soon as you said it there. Uh, 
I mean, it, it was the the catalyst for you getting back into wrestling. And I guess I could also say that for me because, you know, it was your excitement about this point in time that, that got me back into it. It's crazy to think that it's been 10 years already that we've been kind of back watching wrestling. Um, seems like it's, it's went so fast. Um, there was a little poll on Twitter this week about, you know, best, uh, promos of all time. And I was very shocked to see how few people chose this as, you know, one of the, the better promos of all time and actually how many people responded to people who who said this was their favorite and kind of bashed them for it like there are a lot of cm punk haters out there well i think a lot of people felt cm punk turned his back on them and those guys are marks (laughs) you know it i i've i've always backed cm punk i think he did what was right for him i never blamed the guy for walking away they treated him like shit. He treated them like shit back, but that's a little different. I don't know. I I, I don't I don't understand how you ha- can have anything bad to say about this promo. It was the most. It was the realest thing anybody had ever heard up to that point. No script. No guidance. Here's a mic. Get what's off your chest. And let's get back to doing business. And that's exactly what they did. And they did great business. That month from June 27th to July 17th, Money in the Bank was absolute gold. They let it go a little bit after Money in the Bank. But that month, the suspension the week after, the live contract signing the week after that, you know, the New York Yankees comment, it was all gold. And if you don't think so, fuck you. You're dumb. <laughs> so so you're thinking that people don't like this moment in time or like CM Punk because he went against WWE? I think so. I, I really do. I think they're just butthurt that he stood up for himself. Uh, I, yeah, I find that a bit ridiculous because some of the best moments in time were when the wrestlers quote unquote went against the corporation right yeah stone cold did it the rock did it cm punk did it he did it in a different way but it's almost like oh cm punk's getting too much attention so we don't like it you know they they named that segment it's it's too cool so let's not like it kind of thing right yeah, that's. I feel that's uh, very short-sighted, especially when probably these people think it was absolutely real. Like he, you know, stole the mic and all of that, and yeah, still wrestling, folks. Like yeah. Vince McMahon, let it happen. Because let's be real here: if he didn't like what CM Punk was saying, he could have shut that mic off at any point in time. Right. They could have cut to commercial. So come on, people, like, wake up. Yeah, no, they they knew what he was going to do, and they mostly knew what he was going to say. And I, I'm pretty sure that cue of 
let me tell you a personal story about Vince McMahon. That's the cue. Shut the mic off. Like everybody yeah. was on board. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you, I think you're right. It is those people who think that it was like an absolute shoot that maybe don't. How how dare you go against the business? How dare you go into business for yourself? You know, they they, yeah. they probably and all, these are the people that go to work and complain about their bosses and the places <laughs> they work with. It's the same thing. Well, they're the they're the same people who listen to Jim Cornette, right? Oh boy, yeah. There's no helping them. <laughs> Anyways, happy anniversary, pipe bomb. I'm 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 watching it. I'm watching it again as soon as we're done recording. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right, let's get into Saturday Night Dynamite. Saturday Night Dynamite, June 26, 2021, from Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. What a show this was. I I really, really enjoyed this one. We had some great matches on this card. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I guess there's a, a different feel with the fans. Um, it's Yeah, it was, it was a really, really exciting show, and I can't really... I can't really even explain why I felt that way. And um, we even had one of those like really heavy segment portions and I didn't hate it that much. So yeah, they, they did really well this week. I think everybody just came out and performed, you know, those, those segment pieces weren't drawn out and boring. They were quick and snappy to the point. And like I said, the performers just kind of came out and, and did their jobs. So it, it was a very, it was a very clean show. Like they, they, they nailed it this week. And hopefully as we go in segment by segment, I don't change my mind like I usually do. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get into it as uh, JR and Excalibur are kind of lining the show up for us. They, they get word that, Alex Marvez is going to catch Sammy Guevara as he's coming into the arena. Uh, before the interview can go off, there's Sean Spears hiding behind a semi truck and uh, gets the chair on to Sammy Guevara. It was a cool little moment. Sean Spears getting back into that chairman gimmick, which I'm which I'm loving. And uh, Pinnacle is you know getting back at at inner circle here uh, for Stadium Stampede. I'm loving every minute. Yeah, you said it right. Uh, you know, Sean Spears back into that chairman gimmick is just awesome. The only thing that I'm maybe not liking is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's almost like they have Sean Spears is like the, he's the the hitman of the group. Like, and to me, I get this sense like he's the lesser. He's like the lowest part. Right. You know, he's kind of the thug that they send out to. He's Luca. He's Luca so, Brazzi from The Godfather. Yeah. For so, those of you who know, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. But uh, but other than that, it was good. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. Um, like that should be a Wardlow role, no? Yeah. Yeah, you would think. I don't know. 
it, it it's tough. Like, Where what other what other mafia position do you give them? There really is only cleaner. Yeah, I'm just kidding. You can't do. You can't well, do no, that you can't call him the cleaner. But uh, every every mob has a cleaner. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I don't know. Like, I he's good on the mic. Like, I think he should be more of a prominent member. And it seems like Wardlow is now much above that. You know, he had that special match with Hager. Right. He talks more than Spears right now. I don't know. Huh. We just feel bad for him. Yeah, for sure. He, he does deserve more. But, I mean, it's a step in the right direction is where I was going. Thanks for shitting yeah, on my no, sure. okay. <laughs> uh, we get into the first matchup of the night: Powerhouse Hobbs versus Hangman Adam Page. Uh, this was uh, this was a great match, and it all starts off with Hangman's uh, lower third, as <laughs> it says, "hotter than a hoochie coochie." <laughs> and I mean, I, I I get a kick out of Hangman's lower thirds. If you guys. If Hangman's coming out, pay attention because there it, it's always some kind of joke. It's always some kind of play on what's going on in the story. It, it it's it's just good shit. It's good shit. And this weekend, I mean, we're up in Canada. They're down in Florida. I could only imagine how much hotter and humid it is down there. But it was scorching up here. I never remember to to look for it. You're always, you know, laughing by yourself, and I'm like. What's going on? <laughs> Did you read the lower thirds? No, I forgot again. Um, I'm wondering though, does he come up with these? Like, you know, is it before the show, Hangman? What, what are we doing this week so we can get it to the guys in the production truck? Uh, my guess would be this does seem like his type of humor. humor. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely has his touch on it. I wonder if someone doesn't come up with a bunch and then he picks one, maybe. Okay. Or maybe yeah. changes it from there, but I think it's definitely him. I think it's definitely him. AEW doesn't really have writers, so who else would do it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's talk about this matchup. Uh, big, hard-hitting match. Very similar to kind of Hangman versus Brian Cage. It had that similar feel. Uh, powerhouse really pushing the pace and and him kind of coming coming back from uh from uh you know near death i guess you could say uh to get the win i guess the main thing the the main talking point about this is starks and hook come out and starks has the ftw belt and they're gonna get involved powerhouse hobbs huge smile on his face as they do but before any any shenanigans can happen it's brian cage who comes out and kind of stops stark and Stark running away, clinching at his neck, playing that, you know, boo-boo baby type heel character, liking that. Yeah, this, this uh, type of, I don't know if we even call it an interrupt, has been happening quite a bit lately in all different kinds of storylines. Um, it's almost a distraction to the watching the match, I feel. Because they're like kind of here and then gone. They're they're not really a, a part of the match. I guess that's sort of the point as well. Um, but are, are we going to see? It, <laughs> are we still just being teased that Cage is going to be out of Team Taz here? Like, I don't know. 
why are they dragging this out? I mean, that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're they're still just dangling the carrot. But yeah, at this point, and we've said this about Team Taz a hundred times. Like, let's just get on with it already. But I I guess I and I'm you know, we're all for long storylines. But to me, this is not a good enough story to drag it out. Right. Agreed. Maybe that's just well, why I'm so. It started off that it. way, and maybe this is my fault because when this was kind of starting, I believe I said, "Okay, let's let's do this right, and let's tell a big story, and 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 maybe this is the one that we drag out a little bit." But then they took it. We're like three months in now. Like, whoa. Let's wrap it up now. Yeah. So maybe that's my fault because yeah. you know Tony Khan takes all my ideas. So right. right. Um, Hangman winning this match uh, off the dead eye, something we haven't seen in in well over a year. I feel bringing that move back. I I popped hard for that. And he did it with uh, a quart low on blood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. We should talk about him. Uh, Getting getting cut on the top of his head. We weren't sure if it was from the the post spot, the 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 corner spot, or he takes a nasty fall backwards off the uh, off the ring apron, and those stairs to that cockeyed stage were right there. But uh, he was definitely bleeding from the top of his head. He went from blonde to redhead pretty quick. Yeah, it's like uh, was he not at? Um you know, blading class with uh, <laughs> Dustin that week. And you know what? I'm going to do it at the top of my head this week just for something different. <laughs> Not, I've had enough of this hairline shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we go backstage with the Young Bucks and Associate Stooge, Brandon Cutler. Brandon Cutler getting a kind of a gimmick nickname from the commentary. I'm liking that. Uh, Brandon keeps trying to talk and the Young Bucks keep cutting him off. I, I, I love this. Um, Young Bucks are totally totally eating this this heel this heel roll up and uh they're running away with it they're killing it it's insane how they're almost making fun of wrestling at this point like this could be a, a saturday night live skit but it's working like i'm 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 just eating it up loving it it, it it's it's something that we've never really seen I mean, we you see it all the time if you watch BTE back in the day, but for it to be on the actual wrestling show, like now it means something, and it, it might be one of those taboo things that you don't you don't make fun of the business, but I think the Young Bucks have been doing this. This has been their shtick, like I said, on BTE for so long that it just makes sense. And if there was ever two guys to do it. These are the two guys to do it. They're they're killing it. I I'm not mad at these guys at all. If not, I'm bigger fans of theirs for it. Yeah, and credit to the Stooge. Uh, I think he's doing his part well, and I like how they even at the end here. You know, he find he gets a word in, and they actually like it. Yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll, yeah, I like that one. Let's keep that one. You know, <laughs> and he celebrates it. He gets a fist bump. He's like, yes. I got one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. They're 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 killing it. Bra- Brandon's killing it too. Uh we go back into the ring, Tony Schiavone interviewing Tully Blanchard. They bring out Conan into the ring. 
this was, I mean, <laughs> this was as old school of a of an in ring segment as as I've seen in a long time, and not just because we got two you know wrestling legends in the ring pulling it off, but it just had that old school feel. Like, oh, this is what you say. Well, this is what I say. What do you have to say about that? Well, this is what I'm saying. You know that kind of format. It's not just come out here and insult this and insult that. You know what I mean? So this had a very old school promo feel to it. Um, I think these two killed it. And I like that this is a setup. This is really just a setup to continue the pinnacle inner circle story that started at the at the beginning of the show. It all tied together. Yeah, I thought this was a great segment as well. Um, Conan really, really steals this one. I, I feel like he got the, the better part of it. And I think it's only because what does Tully say that isn't going to be taken the wrong way? Right. You know what I mean here? Um, it, there was very much a, a racial component to this. Uh, about yeah you know your boys kind of grew up a certain way but it's it's nothing compared to you know the type of stuff that my boys grew up in with you know way more violence and 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 that kind of stuff so I feel like there's no way that Tully is really going to sort of win this sort of battle debate but like you said, it was just all about the ending here and Conan calling out Proud and Powerful, which um, I don't think had us fooled for even one second. <laughs> well, you got to give credit where credit's due. As, as, as the two figures, will say, walk out onto the ramp. And I mean, they're covered head to toe. We've seen Proud and Powerful wear similar get-ups to this so it looked good like it made sense but as the camera gets into a close-up i'm like ortiz is looking thick <laughs> <laughs> santana well, seems should shorter also, <laughs> should also be noted that he actually doesn't call proud and powerful out so when i when the when the the two gentlemen came out, I was just like, oh, these are just Conan's thugs. You know, they could be the guys that we saw at Double or Nothing for all we knew, right? Like, I don't remember him saying, you know, come out and, and referring to Proud and Powerful at all. I guess he it just says wasn't his until, voice. He says... Yeah. He calls, he calls somebody out, but maybe he doesn't say the words Proud and Powerful. I think he just says his voice. Right. So it wasn't until you said, yeah, that's not them. Like, oh, yeah. No, that's definitely not them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it was the close-up that kind of gave it away. They should have kept the the wide shot a little bit longer, I think. But uh, Tully getting the, uh, getting the microphone as the two figures stand at the back of Conan looking strong. Tully just says, you need to take a look at the big screen. And there's Proud and Powerful laid out amongst the rubble in the back. The hoods come off. Of course, it's it's FTR. And they absolutely beat the living piss out of Conan here. Uh, Inner Circle. Is is this when Inner Circle comes out for the save? Or? Nope. 
Okay, never mind. We'll talk about it later. It's later, later in the show. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, they they just got the beat down, and then um, and then it was. Oh like, yeah, that was okay. So yeah, I'm remembering now. Let's let's talk about that because they didn't go to commercial break or anything, and all of a sudden the ring was clear, and Dante Martin was coming out. That segment looked right. really bad. So this is where we start shitting on the show. Yeah, this is where we start shitting. It's it's in a, it's all because of the production truck once again. Yeah, I mean it was just the it was two things, right? This bad cut, and then like a minute later there was like there's some bad audio. Was that during this segment? No, that was Sammy's segment too. That's the same segment oh, okay. that I mistaked. <laughs> right. It was the inner circle. So spot. yeah, there's a couple of production issues, but the segments were good. Right. Um, okay, so let's get back into the into the wrestling as we got Dante Martin taking on Matt Seidel. Vicky Guerrero comes out uh during Dante's entrance and introduces Andrande El Idolo. They come out and they this was announced that they had a surprise for everybody uh this week. So here's coming the surprise. It's interrupted by Matt Seidel's entrance, and uh, the tease goes on for for another little while. I like I like the fact that they're not giving us the surprise, but I hate the fact that this buries Andrade a little bit. You know, just the 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 interrupt. There's no retaliation for it. You know what I mean? I like this better if Matt and Mike Seidel come out. But as Andrade is like, all right, all right. And then he just grabs Mike and like chokes him out or doesn't move on to the stage. And then Mike's out for this match, you know, and it's just it, Matt Seidel versus Dante Martin. I think that keeps Andrade looking really good instead of kind of seeming like a, like a coward as he just lets these two just interrupt his big, his big announcement. So that's my only complaint with that. But I like that we're not getting this announcement. Let's tease it for a little bit longer. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I thought the same thing. It was a little bit weird. Uh, It was a little bit weird that Vicky even interrupts the the entrance here. Like, why not bring her out first? And then maybe she gets cut off by Dante's entrance. And he's like, you know, giving her a look like, why are you out here? Like, it's kind of my time. But it kind of went the other way. It's a little bit weird, and I don't know. Maybe it'll make sense next week. Maybe. Yet to be seen. Uh, We go backstage again as Jungle Boy is contemplating his big main event matchup against Kenny Omega. Later in the night, Christian Cage comes comes to give him some words of encouragement. Uh, Don't be happy just to be here. You know, be pissed off that no one's giving you a shot. This is your time. Blah, 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 blah. Jungle Boy seems to uh, react positively to this. Cage and Jungle Boy seem to seem to be still working together in some shape or form, you know. Don't mind it. Yeah, I want to hear Jungle Boy do like a a promo. Like I want him to like look into the camera and just lay one out. We haven't seen it yet, or not that I remember. Um, it's it's Cage that kind of really takes over the segment, and uh, classic Christian here. Jungle Boy's too cool. He's too chill. He's like I, I've said it before. He's too Californian. 
almost to be a wrestler. Like he just doesn't have that. Let me tell you something, brother. You know, he doesn't have that in him. Maybe he's too shy. I don't know, but. But you know what? Flip flops from a vanilla brand there. He, he can still do a promo and come off. I mean, he's not as cool as jungle boy, but I mean, he still gets in the camera and says something. I guess. You know who I'm talking about, right? I know who exactly who you're talking about. Oh, okay. We're but, not going to say his name on the show. No. I don't know. His name I, is I, Flip Flops. His name is Flip Flops. I don't know. I, I, th- I guess I disagree with you. I don't think his okay. promos are very good. <laughs> no, I'm not saying his promos are good, but oh. at least he like does a promo where Jungle Boy is just like, you know, I'm just happy to be here. I'm glad I have an opportunity. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in the ring. Right. No, I, I, yeah. I see what you're saying. We we got a we got a glimpse of what Jungle Boy might be able to do there last week as he was puffing up with uh, Kenny Omega in the, in the back there before getting attacked. But yeah, he's definitely lacking something. I think he's I think he's just shy still. He's not yeah, used to being I mean, on TV. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Especially when your gimmick is you don't talk. Right. You, you kind of get used to that, eh? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we get a promo or a vignette segment, I guess you can say, a ad ad break. <laughs> this was almost an infomercial uh, from Jaden, um, the smart Mark Sterling. I love that nickname. He is totally a smart Mark. I love it. Uh, they're promoting shopaew.com as uh, Jade is selling. She's got two shirts on the market right now. Uh, the one that was on the right, the blue the blue or the purple i can't remember what color it was that's a that's a pretty nice t-shirt i like it did they show the t-shirts they did i know you were a bit distracted i think i was a bit distracted cuz i <laughs> i was listening i knew they were talking about t-shirts but i did not see what they looked like um i i like how they're kind of melting this jade brand gimmick storyline whatever you want to call it into kind of promoting other things that are going on in AEW. I think that's really smart. So yeah, this is a good segment. I, I I like that Mark goes to rip the t-shirt and you know, he's kind of struggling with it and Jade stops him, grabs it and then she rips it like with ease at the end of the promo. I think that's really smart. It makes Jade look really, really good. Even though the bikini yeah. was doing that for her. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> uh, Alex Marvez backstage with MJF, Sean Spears, and Wardlow. They they talk about the uh, you know the attack on Sammy and Pinnacles here to do this and here Pinnacles here to do that. Classic MJF promo here. Uh, Jericho and Hager attack at the end of the promo. They take the fight out into the ring. This is just a you know classic beat em up. It, it's the pull apart without. 50 guys trying to pull them apart. The refs are out there for a little while. Um, but Pinnacle getting the upper hand here. Sean Spears is about to take the chair shot a la Christian and Edge to to Jericho's injured arm. But the music hits. Sammy comes out like a fireball and just jumping all over the place. He's taking everybody out. Sammy's looking spectacular in this in this position right now I'm, I'm liking it sammy's looking great yeah i like the uh the energy that he has and 
it doesn't seem like well it's like we had this kind of sammy before but jericho always kind of held him back and now jericho's just like i can't control him so it's your problem now right. kind of thing i think that i think that kind of aspect really helps sammy too because he he ends up looking a bit crazy a little bit a loco as they say yeah south of the border he's done with that cool guy look it's yeah. Now I'm just ferocious. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this is the moment where we get the kind of the audio glitch as we're hearing bits and pieces of Sammy's promo is his little mic spot before he's actually even got the mic in his hand. Um, this this was a pre-recorded episode. I, I don't think there was any hiding that, especially from the odd cuts after the beat up scene on Conan, on Conan, sorry, and, and with this audio glitch, but. Uh, just, just these little things that that if they happen often can really take you out of a show so i think the uh production truck or whoever's editing these shows together needs to do a better job yeah and, and we're playing a drinking game while we were watching this one every time gr reminded us that next week they're gonna be live uh we were uh having a chug of beer and i mean i think jr said it about 76 times throughout throughout this episode so if that wasn't uh you know telling us that this one's recorded and the next one is definitely going to be a live one yeah uh, i don't know what that was about but yeah. they kept yeah the return to live was the slogan of the of the show <laughs> Uh, we go from there, Miro backstage, and he, he's praying. And uh, I, I thought this was an interesting character trait for, for Miro here. Uh, he does it in such a sarcastic way that he's almost praying for Brian Pillman Jr. as his, uh, his that'll be his next opponent for the TNT Championship. I like this. Um, like I said, it's an interesting trait. I, I kind of hope this isn't a one-off. I hope they keep this going where it's this sarca sarcastic element to him being a, a man of God. You know what I mean? It, it's kind of yeah, one of those big, um, those big beasts that pray, but they're killers. And after they kill somebody, they, they, they bless them. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I, I like that shit. Yeah. Cause he's really kind of justifying him destroying everyone right like this is god's plan and and things like that but then he's he's not like um you know sort of being super religious like some other gimmicks where you know he's it, 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 doesn't he at one point say you know thank you for blessing me with my hot wife and you know things like that so um, yeah, I, I'm actually enjoying this. Uh, I like to see it a little bit more and, and maybe out of this, do you, do you think maybe we could get somebody rolling with Miro, maybe a, a follower of some kind? Does, does it go to that, that point? Um, I can see them doing that, but I don't want them to. I want Miro to stay by himself. Like I said, if they were going to put anybody with them, it had to have been a girl. It had to have been Penelope, or if they're going to bring Lana in, that's fine. But Miro, no work well with others. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. 
Uh, this leads us into our next matchup of the night. All ego Ethan Page versus Bear Bronson. I don't... This is the low point of the show. I'm over Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. And it's no fault to them. It's the fault of their booking. You know, with that whole Sting and Darby thing. I called it that it was going to happen. But these two are just absolute buried in my mind. And it's all because of booking. I'm, of course, I'm going to give them their chance. They'll have their chance to to make it up and, and, and get back in into my good graces, I guess you could say. But, like, I just have no attachment to these two. I don't hate them for being heels. I don't like them because they're good. You know, I just have zero feelings for these two, and it's all because of booking. And it's not helping them going up against Bear Country. Who? You know, like, yeah. go back to Dark. Yeah. <laughs> these guys didn't work great together but they didn't work bad together if that right. makes any sense like I just wasn't really into this match uh, I'm on probably the same fence as you I I guess I'm just not figuring out what this gimmick is they seem to be like they should be almost MJF like but they're just coming off just way douchier than that and it's right. not, it's just not interesting at this point. And um, I don't know, maybe it'll get better. Yeah. We're, we're not writing them off yet, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, um, but this match really is just about the ending. Is yeah. it not? Yeah. No, this was a throwaway match just for Ethan Page to, to cut a promo on Darby Allen, essentially ch challenging him to a coffin match, not a casket match but a coffin match July 7th in Miami. Um, I, I really think that they didn't need to do a match here to, to get this done. That's, that's my takeaway from this. Yeah, they definitely could have did a, a recorded promo. Or uh, attack Darby this. again. Really, really nail yeah. down that heel angle beat the crap out of Darby again and then get in his face with the microphone and challenge him but the match yeah, I yeah. don't know I guess they're just trying to be different so, so they didn't go casket match because that's a vanilla brand thing I'm, or I'm thinking is, it, so. is Ethan Page Canadian and do we use coffin instead of casket is it a is it that kind of thing maybe I don't know I don't think I've ever noticed we don't, I, I we don't say open casket. coffin. I always say coffin. We don't say open coffin, though. It was an open coffin funeral. You don't say that. Yeah, I guess we. I guess not. But also, I bought my coffin today. You don't say I bought my casket. That's true. Well, maybe. Right. Maybe it is just a... I, I'm leaning more towards it's a vanilla brand thing. Yeah, casket match is probably trademarked. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, we go backstage with Britt Baker and Rebel as they uh, uh, kind of address this Vicky and Nyla next Wednesday. Uh, the match happening next Wednesday, this this tag team match. Um, Britt Baker kind of still laughing it off, but says, if you want to get in the ring, old lady, or however she puts it, you know, be prepared to get your butt kicked. 
So, and we go directly to Vicky and Nyla backstage and they cut the promo back and I don't know. Content here, nothing new. This was actually very, very classic, you know, pre-recorded promos, which I like. Um, is this really hyping me up for the match though? No. What's really weird about this is that Britt is promoing against Vicky like she is, I don't know, somehow the threat here. Like Nyla doesn't even seem to be really part of this conversation. And during the Vicky and Nyla part, Nyla barely says anything. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I don't have high hopes for this match next Wednesday. Nyla Nyla has disappointed us before no fault of her own again it's a booking type thing with Nyla but I wonder if this is if they're trying to really portray that Vicky is the the true antagonist of this section of the story so that when Nyla gets revenge it means something more Let's keep the focus on Vicky for right now, but after this tag team match, when it's kind of set in stone that it's going to be Britt and Nyla, then we can concentrate on Nyla. I wonder if that's what they're thinking. Not saying that's the right thing to do, but that's kind of how it feels. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Next match of the night, we had the Bunny coming out with the Blade and Chris Statlander coming out with Orange Cassidy. This was a, This was a really good match. This was a really fun match. Uh, the Bunny, you know, back on Dynamite. I think this is her second match this year, like actually on TV. She's been really relegated to kind of the the arm candy manager type role, valet role this this past year. But it's good to see her back in the ring. Chris Statlander, amazing in this match. She she looks like she's back to a hundred percent. She looks great in the ring. Yeah, in the commentary comment on how, you know, lean she is and, and whatnot. And um, although Chris Allender, I love her. Uh, she did a great job. I I just can't help myself not watching the bunny. Um, like probably no other wrestler in, in AEW, like she uses her facial expressions and, and emotes what's going on. And you don't even have to really, she doesn't even have to speak. You know, you can see it in her face. Uh, she does a lot of like kind of screams and yells and whatnot. And she just has that stare that just really gets me into the match. So um, I thought the bunny did awesome. I want to see more bunny on, on dynamite. It's, it's an art in itself that not a lot of professional wrestling talents have. And that's the, the reacting that that's involved in a, in a wrestling match. And you, you totally hit the nail on the head there. The, the bunny does have that. Um, it, it's the one thing that forgives her for maybe not being the most athletic on the roster. You almost forget that, that she, you know, honestly can't keep up athletically with a lot of the women on the, on the thing, but she's still compelling to watch because of those, uh, those, facial expressions and, and reactions to a lot of stuff. After the match, K-Stat wins with the Big Bang Theory. After the match, the Blade jumps in and attacks Orange Cassidy. Uh, Orange Cassidy's kind of getting the upper hand in the beat-up until TH2 come out and help the Blade. Uh, 
Blade takes the brass knucks that were going to be used against Case that out of his pocket and, and and knocks the piss out of Orange Cassidy here. Orange Cassidy sold this like a champ. I, I loved it. Um, Blade and TH2 standing tall, uh, you know, representing the Matt, the Matt Hardy office here, the Hardy family office, whatever their stupid name is. I mean, I, I it's such an odd couple that it works. Like you, if you had the whole roster and you're like, who should we put with the blade? TH two is the last team I'm, I'm, I'm picking. They just, it doesn't make any sense, but it works because they are so kind of opposite. Yeah. I feel like there's probably, you know, a board meeting and, uh, Jack Evans opened the door. He thought it was the bathroom and, uh, they're like, well, why not? How about these guys? And, right. Uh, yeah, you're right. It, it shouldn't work, but it works. Yeah, totally. Uh, from there, we go backstage. Uh, Tony Schiavone interviewing QT Marshall. He cuts a promo on Cody. I mean, a lot a lot of the same stuff we've heard from him before. He's not... Uh, QT's not worried about this... This uh, What are they doing? A strap match in Miami in a couple weeks here? He's not really worried about it. He's he's just looking forward to the future after Cody's out of the picture and he can get on with becoming, you know, fulfilling his destiny, I think is how he kind of how he kind of puts it. What well, what are your thoughts on QT Marshall's character right now and is he shooting a little higher than maybe he he's worth? Um I I'm sort of undecided. I I I like I like his uh, his approach to being the heel. It seems a little bit over the top, but maybe it needs to be because it's with Cody. What I found interesting about this whole interview is that he's talking about hoping that Cody will, you know, get a role somewhere, be on another show, and just kind of leave so no, no one has to look at him. Which got me thinking, I'm wondering... It, is after this match happens, are we going to see Cody take some time off? I, I know we've talked about it on the show before that with Brandy, um, you know, having their baby just recently that maybe he would be taking some time off. Um, is this the, is this the match that kind of sends him uh, off the radar for a little while? What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a good assessment. We were wrong. We thought it was going to be the Agogo match that was going to send him off the roster for a little while which I, I still think that that was a missed opportunity. We haven't seen a go-go since that dynamite after double or nothing. So I don't know if that's an indication on how badly they messed that up. But to answer your question, I, I, I got to keep thinking that that's exactly what's going on. Cody's been working very closely, you know, with the guys at TBS, you know, uh, with the, uh, the go big show, Dynamite and AEW as a whole is moving over to TBS soon. I could totally see Cody being an EVP for AEW, but you know, as his day job, he's a on camera type talent for some kind of show on TBS. Maybe he has something in the works. Maybe he just wants to be at home for for a couple uh, for a few months to help Brandy with the baby. Who knows? But I definitely think that's where it's going. Um, I. I got to pick QT Marshall in this match, this strap match. There's no way Cody wins this and then takes months off. That doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, I think you're yeah. right. I think this yeah. is where it's headed. 
We get a quick promo from Brian Pillman backstage on Miro. Um, honestly, I think I went upstairs during during this. I, I don't even remember seeing this. All I remember is that 1980s football jersey he was wearing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we love Brian Pillman. Um, I don't even think the promo was bad, but I was, yeah, I was really st- stuck on making jokes about his uh, T-shirt <laughs> there and how... Uh, you wouldn't want to get a sunburn in a in a shirt like that. Yeah. Um, I um, what do you think this match is is going to be is going to turn out to be here? Miro versus Brian Pillman. Um, you you'd have to think it's not going to be in a total annihilation here. That you know they can't really bury Brian. No, I th- I think they got to give Brian some offense here. He's he's got to come out of this looking really good. Uh, the Varsity Blondes, they're number one ranked in the tag team division right now, which is huge. Uh, I mean, I've been team varsity blondes for, for a long time before they were even considered an actual tag team. They were kind of just being thrown together. So I don't think, I, I think if you squash Brian Pillman jr is one thing, but you're also squashing varsity blondes. So they need to be really careful with the booking. Brian Pillman has to have offense in here. He's, he's not going to win. Let's just be real. That would be the swerve of the century if if he pulls this off. Uh, so just give him some offense. Make him look really good. Um, Miro has been selling for these guys in a very, very realistic way. You know, especially his match against Darby and stuff like that. Like, he's still sold. And it makes it look really good. And then he just goes beast mode and and, and overpowers. That's the kind of match you need here which keeps everybody looking really good. Yeah, for sure. Um, it should be a good one, like on paper. should be a good one. Yeah. The, these two are, they're, they're both big dudes. You know, Brian Pillman is not small, and we saw it when they locked up there last week. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. It's going to be great. We go backstage also with Kingston and Penta as they kind of counter promo against the Young Bucks that we saw earlier in the day. Uh, Kingston just kills it here, as always. He, I, he just nails it. That's all you can say. He just nailed it. Yeah, and I love how Penta here does his promo in Spanish. You got, uh, um, Abrientes. What's his name? Yeah, Abrientes is is back. I guess from his little uh, sit in the corner there and <laughs> uh, does the translation. So, uh, yeah, this was uh probably the the segment of the night i think um it gets me really hyped up for for uh, this young, this match against the young bucks do you think kingston and penta can put the kind of match together against the young bucks that kingston and moxley had i mean time limits aside but i'm going to say yes and for the the reason that with Kingston and Penta, you get two different types, right? Where where Moxley and Kingston were just two bruisers. Now we got someone uh, in Penta that can do a little bit of the high flying stuff. So I, I think this is going to be a better match than than that one was. We've seen Young Bucks and Penta before, and it, I mean it's it's spectacular what even those three can do. Um, you know, at a time when, say, Ray Phoenix is 
is left for dead after a big move and it's a two-on-one. So there's spectacular things. We never really got to see Young Bucks work with Moxley. That was kind of the first time that they've worked with Moxley in, in any kind of lengthy fashion. So I think just the chemistry aside will make this match. It's hard for me to say better, but it'll be just as good because that chemistry... You know, the match is going to be half as long as the Moxley-Kingston match, but it's going to be just as spectacular just because of the chemistry. This moves us into our main event of the evening, Jungle Boy taking on Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship. Uh, Jungle Boy getting the shot after winning the Casino Battle Royale at double or nothing. Before the match is an interesting segment, and, and it had me popping as Marco Stunt and Luchasaurus came out with Jungle Boy, of course. The Good Brothers coming out with Kenny Omega. Don heading over to commentary. The thing I love about this opening little bit is is it's Marco who gets things started and essentially gets kicked out first, which leads to Luchasaurus getting kicked out. Luchasaurus did absolutely nothing. But because of Marco Stunt's animated kind of attitude, he gets them kicked out. And which leads the Good Brothers to just laugh, and we get we get kind of a, a look back to those WWE Good Brothers when they were with AJ Styles, where they were calling everybody nerds and how they were gonna beat up John Cena and stuff like that. It was it was cool to see the Good Brothers having fun out on the out at the ring again. Yeah, they did a really good job of making it seem like this wasn't really part of the plan. Because Marco's going all nuts and Kenny's like kind of looking over like, you know, what's going on? What's your beef kind of thing? And um, yeah, this was a great start to the match. And um, uh, I like that they, they everybody kind of gets kicked out here and it's just going to be mono y mono. Uh, we should also mention that Jungle Boy's mom and sister are out in the crowd. And I don't know what this kind of meant for you or what AEW meant by, you know, making this very clear that they were there. But for me, it was just like, uh, they're trying to make it seem like, like this is a possibility, you know, like Jungle Boy could actually win the title tonight. And I thought that was a really good touch. Yeah, it was definitely there just to, well, I mean, it's, it's the biggest match in the kids' history in the kid's career. There, there's, there's no doubt about that, but it does kind of, it does kind of put that doubt in your, in your mind that this is a foregone conclusion. Kenny's winning, you know, there's just that little bit of doubt. Cause usually the family are always kind of represented in the crowd when, when somebody wins a, t a big championship for the first time. So it was a, it was a very smart move. And I mean, they kept putting them on camera they they talked about them throughout the whole thing, like oh that that'll make you know Mrs. Jungle Boy pretty happy and and, and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it was really cool to see. As the Good Brothers get kicked out, though, now Kenny Omega's pissed off. He's getting in Turner's face, and Turner bumps Omega here. He shoves him, and Omega takes a bump off the ref. I don't so much like this. And I don't want to sound too much like like uh, Mr. Corvette or anything, 
But I mean, you can't do this. You know, if I give if I give Bryce Remsburg shit for for trying to get himself over, like Turner shouldn't be bumping on. You know what I mean? Take a bump, but don't give bumps. I don't like this. Right. Yeah. Um. I I, I totally know what you mean, and I think what kind of saves it here is Kenny looks surprised. Like it almost looked like he wasn't expecting it. So he pushes Turner, but he wasn't expecting that pushback. He gets it. I mean, you know, let's be real. Turner's ripped now, right? He's <laughs> not the, uh, he's not the ref for Mike Tyson's punch out. Um, <laughs> he, he's ripped. So he puts up to the ground. Did you so, just compare Turner? <laughs> Turner to Mario. <laughs> That's classic. I think I did. Yeah. That's classic. No, I, I mean, I like that Turner stands up for himself and we've seen Aubrey do this to Jericho and stuff like that, but Kenny can't be falling down from this stumble back. Look surprised, but don't fall. Cause it puts too much attention on the refs and the refs don't need any attention. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't like it. Let's talk about this match. Holy shit. This was a great match, and they gave him a ton of time, especially for a, a TV main event. Like, this was north of 20 minutes, almost 25. Um, Jam-packed with action. There was no real lulls in the match. We got outside work. We got high spots. Poison Rana's on the outside. You know, Brain Buster's on the inside. Avalanche. Uh... I can't even remember what that kind of hooked leg hook uh, suplex that Kenny did on on Jungle Boy there. I forget what that's called, but this this match was just insane from start to finish. Yeah, if you guys have not seen this match, you have to go watch it. Kenny was not taking it easy just because Mama Jungle Boy was there. Um, they kicked the crap out of each other. Those V triggers looked look really really stiff. Uh, I'm thinking of that that huge suplex off the top rope, mm-hmm. and they they pan over to Mama Jungle Boy and she's cringing. Um, and it was at this point, I said to him like, uh, I'm I'm assuming Jungle Boy didn't tell Mom what the finish was. Like, right? They got to be left in the dark, right? Um, so all our reactions were very, you know, pure. And, and I, and I love that part of the match. We have to mention that about three quarters of the way through this match, the good brothers do come out to uh, cause some kind of a distraction. Jurassic Express is there to, uh, to, you know, hinder their advancement, but it's the elite hunter in Frank Kazarian that kind of comes, comes out and saves the day. But very similarly to the first matchup of the night with uh, Brian Cage kind of halting the interrupt from Starks and Hook. I mean, we got, we get the exact same thing here. It looks like there's going to be a distraction, but it ends up meaning absolutely nothing. It was really just an excuse to get these these uh five guys back on back on tv yeah and um i mean i get the point of these types of parts in the match but i feel like it's just a distraction and and maybe it doesn't mean too much in the hangman hobbs match 
but like this match was so good and then to have this kind of interruption um i don't know it's not like they were you know outside the ring and and whatever i mean it makes sense i don't know maybe i'm just well this is my argument it, 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 if you're gonna do this spot and you had the choice between the hangman hobbs match and the omega jungle boy match i think it makes more sense to do it in the omega jungle boy match but because they did it earlier in the night, you know, then they need to think of a different way to do it for, for Omega. Or don't do it for the Hobbs hangman match. Leave that for like an after the match. One, two, three, out comes Starks with the belt. He's going to, you know, knock out hangman and then Cage is there for the save. That works. And then do the almost interrupt. Oh, here comes the elite again to to screw over another baby face. But then, holy shit, here comes, you know, the elite hunter, Franken Kazarian, for the save of the day. And the match stays clean. To me, that makes a lot more sense. But because it, they did it the same way for both matches, bookending the same show, it comes off looking really bad. Yeah, I wonder if it's also the short ramp, too, because, like they take five steps outside of the tunnel and then they're attacked. Right. You know, they don't even get close to the ring. It's not like there's a run out. It, there's no, you know, no excitement there. No music's being hit. I don't know. It just seems a bit awkward for me, but yeah, I think you're right. If they didn't do it earlier and then did it here. But like I said earlier, like they've been doing this type of thing a lot. Yep. Where you just, oh, there's something going on over here and they show it a little bit and then come back to the match. So, Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Kenny Omega does get the win here. We get the one-winged angel. Uh, like you mentioned, after six of the most devastating V-triggers there, 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 there ever were. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one, two, three, the outcome that we figured, but uh, we get a lot of shenanigans after the match as... Uh, Kenny Omega is going to, you know, he's he's waiting for Jungle Boy to get up. Uh, he's going to hit him with the belt. There's a big tease. Christian Cage comes out for the save. He gets into uh, Omega's face. Out comes the Hardy family office. Matt Hardy and Private Party, they kind of corner Christian Cage and take him out. It ends up being the Young Bucks taking out Christian Cage with Super Kick Party. Matt Hardy hits a twist of fate, twist of fate to end the show. Um, this is a weird mix-up of the elite and Hardy family office. Who is Christian Cage really feuding with here? Why are the Young Bucks getting involved? Why, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a whole lot going on. Do you think this is leading to some kind of partnership that, uh, I mean, we've seen it teased on BTE. I, I totally forget as, you know, Hardy sells the young bucks their their new dressing room right and stuff like that so it's not the first time we've seen them work together but i just feel like this is this is too much all at once i don't get why these two factions are coming together this way yeah this this had a pay-per-view feeling to it where at the end you just you bring out everybody who hasn't been seen yet right <laughs> so they can make an appearance um but i mean i guess the 
the relationship between Cage and Jungle Boy make this make some sense. But yeah, um, I think you're right. I'm wondering if there's going to be some sort of connection between the two heel factions here, the Elite and Matt Hardy, and some sort of uh, partnership that is not likely to work out very well. Right. I'm still... I had a prediction a while ago that that AEW was going to do a Survivor Series esque type uh, type matchup of some sort. I think I originally kind of had it pinned for the Elite and Inner Circle, but that feud's kind of died away. Maybe they're going with like a super group with the Elite and and Hardy family office, and it's going to leave uh, kind of the the. The scraps of the faces, you know, being Jurassic Express, Frankie Kazarian. Um, who else is kind of feuding with the elite right now? Uh, Penta, Penta and Kingston, you know, Pack. Like there, there's a lot of different options of the faces that could go against this this super group of the elite and and the Hardy family office. I I feel like AEW needs to do a Survivor Series type match. Five on five elimination. Maybe this is. I hope this is where they're going with it. Otherwise, the the heel the heel factions working together doesn't really make sense to me. I don't get it. Yeah, I'm sure it's in the works, and they're just trying to come up with a name. Yeah, I think that's got to be the hardest thing going right now. Is what do you name things? Yeah, like Road Rager. Is that really where we're at with? special episodes of dynamite road rager like why is there so much (laughs) it took wwe yeah it took wwe 40 years to get to roadblock and fast lane aew got there in two years (laughs) it's not looking good (laughs) yeah Uh, no but uh this was a great show it's it's leading into the summer uh that this this action-packed summer you know road rager fighter fest fight for the fallen they're they're back on the road they're 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 the traveling they're the traveling circus once again it's going to be awesome i can't wait for july and august leading up into uh all in or all out sorry it's going to be an amazing summer if, if i haven't said that 50 times in the last couple of weeks but this show was a great kickoff to the summer we got one more one more episode of Dynamite at Daly's place, and, and we're back on the road. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, it's going to be exciting to to maybe have some different setups. Uh, you know, I think the the crowds are also different in certain places, especially if it's a, the hometown of one of the wrestlers. So that's always exciting to see, and um. I'm excited to get back to Wednesdays. I don't know about you, but to me, Wednesday is is wrestling day, and I can't wait to get back to it. No, I 100% agree. Saturday, Saturday's for pay-per-views. You know what I mean? Friday is for drinking beers and talking about wrestling, not watching wrestling. So I am, I'm with you. I am super excited to get back to Wednesdays, get back to our regularly scheduled programming. But that's our show for this week. Thanks for tuning in with us. Uh, back to, as we mentioned, back to the normal grind, recording on Fridays, uploading on Saturdays. Uh, thanks for sticking with us on a Sunday afternoon. 
Portugal, Netherlands starting in less than an hour, or sorry, Portugal and Belgium starting in less than an hour. Uh, Going to be exciting. The winner will play Italy sometime next week as as the uh, round of the round of eight will begin. Uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget you can uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all the major podcast networks, and uh, don't forget to leave us those five star ratings. We'll catch you all next week. Peace. Peace.